0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Dragon Project podcast, a series of conversations about courage. In each episode we hear a tale of a dragon in my guest's life and how they dealt with it. This will serve as a launching off point for a discussion about fear, courage and the heroism of everyday life. And this week I welcome my friend Lucy into the podcast, a talented poet, lover of Rumi, a second year student of Liberal Arts and Sciences at the University of Birmingham whose poetry you can find on Instagram at a underscore vagrant underscore wanders underscore empty underscore ruins it's fantastic I'd really recommend checking it out so Lucien welcome to the podcast
1: thank you ever so much for that introduction that's very kind um, I'm very glad to be on here
0: so firstly Lucian could you recount a tale in your own life of a dragon you've faced?
1: Yeah, so so for me, when you when you say say dragon, um, and kind of when you speak about fear, fear, the, the thing that's that's most important, I think, is facing the unknown, right? Like I think facing things that are known but scary is, is scary in, in its own way. Um but, but when I think of kind of a dragon, I think of the fear of, of the unknown, fear of, of, of things that we haven't done before, fear of things that kind of like would maybe expose parts of ourselves that we haven't yet explored, right? Um, and so the, the thing that sort of jumped to mind for me was um, the fact that I dropped out of college. And I dropped out of college twice. I, I dropped out of college two, two different times, right? Um, and in hindsight, kind of looking back at it, although I made uh, these decisions both times in a kind of very, in a, in a flurry of like intense emotions and I wasn't in a good place. And I sort of wasn't necessarily thinking that I wasn't doing anything um, particularly like notable. In hindsight, I think it's, it's kind of both times it was some of the most courageous things I did in my life was kind of uh, facing the unknown in that way by kind of dropping out of college. And, and so it's kind of like, why, why do I think that this was so important? Well, so listen, so, uh, I've always been sort of like, you know, uh, academically a pretty, pretty good student. Yeah, I've always been doing pretty well. You know, everyone always assumed that I, I was going to go on to Oxford or to a very good university. And that kind of thing, that kind of academic ability, right, was really a cornerstone of my identity. Right. In a way that I've, I'd always struggled with, with, with many other things. I'd always struggled with, with my social life, with my romantic life in ways that I really hadn't struggled. Right. With my academic life um and this was something that was stable this was something that was um really the kind of a bedrock and so I get to college you know I go to the closest college I go to the sixth home of my secondary school and you know it's all right you know I'm I'm gonna assume you know I'm sort of assuming that I'm gonna make it through A levels um and then go on to university but it's sort of by around February of, of the of the first year I mean I'm really not doing too well it feels like a lot of the people that i i was friends with aren't necessarily my friends in the way that i was thinking of and part of that's probably my fault um and, and i'm sure part of that is theirs too you know and uh, i have some sort of some family things that, that are very very difficult um that are going on at the time and you know and and i, so I have a friend um her name is is amelia and she's she she we were very very good friends in secondary and she didn't go for the kind of easy option of going to, to the sixth form for A-levels. She sort of thought about what she wanted to do. She was also a you know, very, very academically bright, talented person. And she instead um, went to a, uh, a college in the town a county away in Devon and Exeter to study the International Baccalaureate and she just she was just coming back with all these stories of how kind of great the International Baccalaureate was how rigorous it was how interesting it was how kind of full of opportunity it was all these kind of wacky kooky eccentric characters that she'd met and so I was like well maybe maybe that's for me right so I was like you know what it's it's time to go and this was around April time I, I went I had a chat with. Um, with the oh god the vice person i don't know the someone from the college um and i was like yeah basically i want to leave i want to do an ib because like it seems cooler and she was like that's like very dumb why don't you like stick with your like current course and commit and i'm like well this course is fucking shit and it is like i do you know that this is kind of my take i think a levels are a pretty pretty poorly designed qualification and for for the record i was doing uh, classical civilization um re and spanish Um, Spanish, having switched to Spanish from having done uh, political science in in the first term. So, okay, so that's how I drop out, and I kind of, I spend summer um, being sad. Now, summers have always been tough for me, right? Summers have always been my toughest season. There's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of the times we've gone back to Poland, my family, so I'm an immigrant, and a lot of the time during summers my family has gone back to Poland. It's not necessarily a place I love being. I've often found it very dull. I don't have... Amazing connections with a lot of people there. Um, and and I think it's also it's also a time that sparked a lot of insecurity because it's 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 a time where a lot of people, I think, throughout my life, have kind of seemed like they're they're, they're happiest. They seem like they're socializing, they seem like they're parting. And a lot of summers I kind of not only was I lonely, but the loneliness was kind of exacerbated by comparing myself to to these other people in in what I was seeing as these kind of happier situations. So, okay. Um, but um you know so basically i'm sort of bumming around being sad um i don't really know much of what i'm doing i'm sort of going through a political transformation i used to have quite a, a politics that i i now see as, as quite prejudicial i used to have quite a, a right-wing politics um i was influenced i think by a lot of people in what's now referred to as the sort of the alt-right pipeline um and i was going through a process of letting go of a lot of that and then kind of developing a, a more left-wing politics um, and, and anti-racist politics and, and so on. Um, so, you know, it, it, it wasn't sort of totally unproductive, but by and large, I, I kind of bummed around and, and was sad. I, 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 um, I got a therapist, a private therapist for the first time of my, for my life and, and he sucked. He was absolutely, you know, he was absolutely dog shit. Like this was a guy that, that really believed in a lot of like really stupid kind of self-help principles. You know, he was into these kinds of people that kind of thought that you could be, beat cancer by um, writing out a mantra a certain number of times a day and attract attract things to, to you. And, and it was very difficult because I had gone into this therapeutic relationship kind of immediately trusting this person. And so even though I was sort of slowly realizing that he was a kook, um, because I had already invested this kind of trust and this kind of emotional commitment into this relationship, you know, it was very, very difficult to kind of let go of it. But I did let go of it after, after about a couple of months, towards the end of summer. Um, and I had at this point applied to the IB and I had been accepted. So I go to the IB and I'm expecting things to go swimmingly. You know, just like a, just as Amelia told me, I'm expecting to meet all this. And Amelia's actually sort of uh, for other sort of personal reasons, she's actually transferred to Exeter Maths College, so she's not actually there. Um, but um, whatever. And um, so, you know, I get to IB and yeah, I'm expecting to have this vibrant social life. I'm expecting to, to hang out with all these diverse cosmopolitan people. And it's a very it's a very sort of diverse cosmopolitan course. It's, it's full of people who are like the kids of lawyers from around the world and the kids of diplomats and things like that. And um, so I get there and I immediately feel alienated from this environment, right? Like these people are so, to be frank, bourgeois, they're so international. These these, these are people who are, you know, who've, who've been to to very good private schools. These are people who've been to, to, to Steiner schools. Um, and, you know, many of them are very cool and epic um, and some of them are not. But, you know, I, I completely don't fit into the environment and the kind of the strenuousness and the kind of intensity of the IB. Um, the strenuousness and the intensity of the IB really just immediately comes to the forefront, right? It's kind of like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, there's, there's a reason why people kind of complain about this course so much. Yeah, like, yeah, like, okay, it's nice that it kind of has this, this rigorous philosophy, um, but it's also just like, can I hack this much work right now? Especially after I've been moping all summer, I'm still not really in a good place and, and my kind of family issues are recovering, but slowly. And um, what happens is I sort of stop attending classes and, and uh, I think a month, a month and a half into the IB, um, I make the decision to leave. And so I, by this point, I actually, I ha- I've got a new therapist who's great um, and fantastic. And he's like the first kind of, con- one of the first conversations we have is kind of, he advises me like, don't, don't drop your course. You know, you've, you've already dropped out once. It's going to be difficult. And then, that, but I kind of realized that like, no, I have to. Um, like it's just it's too much this is not an environment that I just want to spend two years in like yes I know it's it's the proper academic path and all um, and so without completely kind of without having a plan for the future without knowing what I'm going to do without knowing whether I'm going to end up getting to uni I was, even, I was even considering you know I was even considering the navy uh, I was considering things like this so uh, you know um, but kind of totally without a plan, I'm like, okay, I'm leaving again, uh, and I'm going to kind of face the unknown and, and see, see what I can do. Um, and that, I think, is, is you know, one of the best and bravest decisions I've ever met, you know, like, the, 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 yeah. And, and I think it, it's, it's, it was an even kind of, I'm very proud of myself for kind of even just being able to do it a, a second time. Right, like I, I dropped out once, and and that was you know kind of difficult enough, and and you know, you know, you we are kind of bombarded. I think, especially people who do do back academically, are um, are bombarded with um, with kind of you must go to uni, you must go on this path, and it's like. I had already sort of deviated from it once. And, and now if I was going to deviate from it again, I mean, it, it sort of starts to get complicated because the government only funds three years of college and, and things like this. So so I was, I think, bombarded by 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 information kind of telling me to stick to this, this one way of doing things. Um, but it was just like, at that point, I, I kind of realized that this wasn't like the way for me and without necessarily having an alternative, but like, I guess, trusting that I would find an alternative at some point, i dipped bye-bye i'm out yeah how did
0: your identity change during this time did it change much at all in terms of going through going from this having this kind of intellectual um you described intellectual um cornerstone of your
1: identity did that Mm. was that kind of
0: chiseled away by by what went on
1: so that's that's interesting. So I think, so so th- so this whole time, um i was I was in therapy, like that now with the good therapist and later with another good therapist you know after a switch. And so I think i was I was putting together, you know, many pieces of my past. so so a lot of what was going on with my identity was kind of just just making sense of why I was the way I was. I think I think um, uh, one one really big thing that happened was I came more to terms with, with how much being an immigrant shapes me. You know, that's sort of not something you kind of think about, but it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I think when you're from a background like mine, when your parents don't speak English, when you're when you um, had a really difficult time in primary school integrating, right? Because you arrived there not speaking English, it's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe there's reasons kind of why I'm I've struggled socially and romantically and whatever. And, and maybe those are things that I can repair um but i will say i do think i i really did try to cling on to that intellectual cornerstone of my life so i think even though nominally it was it was it was sort of it didn't look good I think I, I, I kind of try to defend that that aspect of my ego by being like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm not so good at like keeping up with these like qualifications and stuff, but actually, you know, these qualifications only measure a certain kind of rote formulaic intelligence and I am a liberated creative genius. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I think whilst perhaps one might have expected um, that kind of aspect of my identity to fall away, I think I, uh, I did cling on to it. And I think I clinged onto it because it really was, I think I've let go of well, I'd like to think that I've let go of it somewhat sort of since coming to university and, and growing in other aspects of my identity. But I I actually think that even though kind of what you know it, it could be seen to have been really challenged by 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 what I went through and, and by my academic failures, because it really was so important to me, I really did actually cling to it.
0: What does the value of courage mean to you?
1: I mean, it's it's everything, right? Like courage is 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 probably one of the most important virtues, if not the most important. I mean, if you consider like love to be a virtue, then love is the most important virtue. But I think if you don't, and I sort of wouldn't, I think love, I, I I'd put love in a sort of even higher place than 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 kind of a virtue. Um uh, courage courage is, is key because courage is what allows you to grow as a person because courage is what allows you to face the unknown and you will only grow when you face the unknown realistically speaking right because if you go back you know you can kind of well I say this by going back to the known you can practice yeah so so you can refine kind of skills by going back to the known right like so if you're a guitarist and you um you love guitar and played guitar for a long time kind of maybe learning some some new new techniques um on the the guitar that doesn't necessarily kind of require courage because you're you're sort of going back to I I suppose in some sense it might but I think you're very much going back to something that, that you've done before so so you're kind of refining your skills by practice but when it comes to kind of transforming yourself as a person when it comes to embracing new things I think courage is is, is, is absolutely crucial, right? Um, um, and, you know, I can give you a couple of examples like recently from my life. So um, I was out, you know, I'd never done this before. I was out uh, in, a, in a bar, then we went to a pub after. And at this pub, I kind of encountered some people who knew some people that I had knew, but I had never met these actual people. Um, and, you know, we sort of got to chatting and I ended up sitting down with them. And they're like, oh, we're going to Snobs. That's a, that's a club here in Birmingham. Uh, and I was like yeah sure you know you know they they invited me along and I was like yeah sure I'll join you and listen I'm not a clubber guy I, I I don't really like clubs um and um to be honest with you the experience wasn't necessarily like phenomenal um but it's kind of like I think like, yeah, like the universe put this opportunity in front of me. It said like, yeah, like these random guys who you don't know, like they could be bad vibes. Like you don't know what kind of vibes they are. Uh, you don't know whether they'll be fun to club with, but like they seem to have taken a liking to you to the to enough to kind of invite you to a club. So it's kind of like you need to have the courage to kind of take that opportunity up. And I think courage is what allows us to take opportunities. Um, you know, or um, another one I think is, is is, is um, you know, romantic love, like romantic love, uh, you know, takes so much courage, like um, it takes so much courage to be that, to be so vulnerable with someone that you would allow yourself to fall in love with them and, and to allow them to fall in love with you. It's, you know, you really have to strip back so many kind of layers of defenses of, of your identity. Um and I think you know a lot of the time when I, when, I, when I kind of reflect on why I haven't done so well kind of in that world, I think it's, it is because, it's not because I haven't been faced with opportunities, but it's because I haven't had the courage um, to be able to strip back all those layers of defensive and to kind of show that vulnerability, um, to, to allow myself to, to kind of fall in love. It's, it's a really scary thing. Um, or again, I think, like I said, maybe practicing an old skill it doesn't require that much courage learning a new skill really does you know if you're someone who's never been a musician you're like 24 you've got friends who are musicians um who are very good and you know that you know they've been learning for a decade or more and you know that you're not going to be as good as them unless you you know for, for you know you practice for so so long i think to still then like let's say be like no i'm gonna i'm gonna commit to this and i'm gonna i'm gonna try this and i'm gonna try to make this a part of my identity even though it's new and it's frightening and I won't be as good as as my friends who've been studying the guitar for decades that I think it takes a lot of courage too that's like one thing that I've struggled with like I've I've tried to learn guitar and um, um and so I've never played a musical instrument before right I tried to sort of start learning a musical gu- instrument in, in my in, you know when I was like 19 and um you know I, I went for the guitar you know a classic and you know, quite it's quite a cheesy option but you know it's a classic for a reason yeah and yeah it's it's scary to kind of to 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 commit to something that you know you'll be bad at for a long time before you're good at it. That that's pretty scary. Um and I think you know, why have I not sort of continued? and I, I try to come back to it when I can. I'm not, you know, I've not been particularly diligent. And it's kind of like, so why, why have I not um kind of been playing the, the guitar? Is it because I'm lazy? Is it because I find it boring? Is it because it's it's that? Well, I'm sure you know these things you kind of demotivation or, or being busy with other things play a part. But I think that the, the real kind of the quality that, that I would need to stick with it is is courage. Uh, and maybe I'll find that courage to stick with the guitar and properly commit to it at some point. Um, so, yeah, like I think I think courage is so important because it's what allows us to take new opportunities. It's what allows us to face the unknown and consequently by facing the unknown it's what allows us to change and grow as people i think probably more than any other virtue
0: in the book the courage to be disliked it says adlerian psychology is a psychology of courage your unhappiness cannot mm. be blamed on your past or your environment and it isn't that you lack competence you just lack courage one might use one might say you are lacking in the courage to be happy so i think mm. it's, it's it's quite it's quite
1: brutal i do I do I, yeah you know it is brutal and I think it doesn't maybe apply to everyone but I do think it does take a lot of courage to be happy you know like to do things that like because because you listen we're, we're brought up in a, in a kind of society that says to be happy to feel worthy to love yourself you need to achieve stuff you need to work right they're like 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 you need to be productive, you need to to create things, you need to keep on top of all of your responsibilities. Um, And so I think a lot of us, including myself, certainly develop this affect where our happiness becomes um, conditional on us doing stuff, on us achieving stuff, on us fulfilling our responsibilities. To just kind of love yourself and to let go let go of that, need. and I, I haven't done it, you know, I'd like to think I've made some progress, but I certainly haven't like fully let go of this need to be productive. But I think to let go of that and to just say like, yeah, um, I'm I'm going to be happy. And I, you know, I understand like, like not everyone is, is always in a, in a position to say, I'm going to be happy. There's a lot of social conditions that play into this. But I think f- f- for myself anyway, you um, I I think I've had the tools to be happy for for a long time and it's only recently that that I've had the courage to kind of let myself feel a bit better. And I think as well, you know, when you're when you're not in a good place for a long time, whatever bad place you're in becomes comforting, yeah, like it becomes home. It becomes a a kind of a, a safe space and it uh, it always it, it always takes courage to to venture out of the safe space. Um yeah.
0: In Adlerian psychology, there are the following two objectives for behavior. Number one is to be self-reliant. And number two is to live in harmony with society. And that number one self-reliance is actually really difficult to achieve. And that's what requires the courage to face our shadow, to face the dragon. And Mm. uh, to to what Carl Jung describes as to arrive at an inner certainty, which makes him capable of self-reliance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just I don't really have anything to add other than I totally agree with with this framing. I think it's true. I think I think to 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 and to to have a kind of an inner source of happiness and true happiness does always come from within. I think you need uh, you need courage. You need the courage to be disliked. You need the courage to be judged. You need sometimes even the courage to be hated. Um, or or uh, the courage to bet you know put up with people lying about you. I think. Certainly, I think um, the, the courageous people that I know in my life, and, and the people who I really admire for their for their for their courage, for their bravery, they are they tend to be very polarizing figures. You know, they they tend to be people who, on one hand, attract almost can be slightly strange, almost a following in some instances, or or a lot of admiration from certain from certain people, and on the other hand, I think they also can attract a lot of envy. Um, and a lot of resentment and a lot of people who kind of um, will uh, to, to varying degrees try to make their lives worse.
0: And that's that's I think what um, what I believe so many people in our society um, have is is a is a fragility that um, I do because I do. I don't. I don't think we're taught true self-reliance. I think um, we 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 come into society with, at least I I know for myself, with a set of expectations, and I think true self-reliance is actually a rare thing. And I think that mm. these these the 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 ability to to be disliked, to face rejection, these things are hard fought and require um a really valuable valuable treasures
1: yeah you know a hundred a hundred percent um but i mean i don't know i hmm whether people in our society do people in our society lack courage i feel like i certainly like courage sometimes um it's 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 interesting because yeah no I do I do think that 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 we live in a world that encourages staying in your comfort zone or maybe a world that just makes staying in your comfort zone very easy if you want to, to do that um so so I I, I do agree with that yeah um, and I, you know and we're all we're all prey to it like you know I, I certainly feel like yeah I have spent a long time staying in my comfort zone when it comes to many things where if I had just sort of stepped even even, even one step outside said comfort zone, I, I would have, I think, become a, 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 a kind of a much happier. And, and uh, uh, well, I think it would have been both good for me and good for the world, basically. Um, but I didn't do it because I didn't have the courage at that time. But I suppose, you know, I suppose that what I would ask is um, why, why do you kind of think it, it, it is so that that, that many people like i think including ourselves uh can lack lack courage in these moments and and why do you think it is so difficult um to kind of to cultivate it um do you think that this is a failure on of society of liberalism of capitalism of, of modernity of, you know
0: i think a contributing factor is the lack of community mm. i think that we live in a very isolated society especially um especially i know in the south of england where we have these isolated groups of of kind of compassion and interest which which kind of extend to our family our friends and potentially acquaintances and work colleagues and those yeah. that's our kind of that's our community um mm-hmm. and outside of that the walls of this kind of castle that we build for our lives there looks the dragon of the unknown so i think that we we live with a constant dragon um there and i think that we build we build these kind of fortresses of small communities um mm. which which really aren't enough to face these dragons which exist and um i guess potentially aren't encouraging enough
1: Mm. I think I would agree um although I I might you know if you'd allow me I might be even even ever so slightly more cynical than you are um which is that I don't necessarily think that that the way families and, and friendship cycles that I've seen um exist as that strong of communities all the time so now listen I have seen families that I think are very strong communities but I've also seen a lot of families that um well, are very hierarchical i think that's the that's the that's the biggest problem that i've seen with with, with families is that is that you get these the, the, these families where where one parent um maybe on average we live in a patriarchal society so maybe on average the, the father but certainly sometimes the mother um kind of takes a leading role in in, in 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 dominating the family and and so many people i know so much of their lives have been kind of uh, <clears throat> have have been dominated right by 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 trying to do what their parents want by by studying their a levels that their parents wanted by going to uni for their course that their parents wanted by looking for a career that their parents wanted um by hanging out with people that their parents would approve of by dating people that their parents would approve of and 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 to me when when i see that kind of like hierarchy that kind of rigid rigid formulism or, or, or just that kind of rigidity i suppose where where, where um, a certain, I think, certain agents in the family just have certain goals and they want the other members of the family to, to kind of fit into those goals. Um, and I, I see that a lot in society. Um, I don't necessarily think that that's a true community over, you know? And then I think maybe the problem can even even start there in many instances.
0: Mm, yes, yes. And I think technology is also something that fractures community and alienates and isolates also
1: mm, yeah no definitely and you know it can connect it has the ability to connect um and and i'm sure that it has connected many people in in, in you know in, to many beautiful relationships of various kinds but i think as a whole it's a, it has been more of a divisive than a connecting force um well mostly referring i suppose to sort of social media and, and, and telecommunications
0: in adlerian psychology there are Mm. there are two objectives for the psychology that supports the behavior of self-reliance with living in harmony with society and these Mm. are the the consciousness that i have the ability and the consciousness that people are my comrades and i think Mm. these two um are incredibly important and this what adler describes as having unconditional confidence in other people and i think that this Mm. is what I see is um, there's there's a dragon here that, that because the the dragon is preventing us from having this unconditional confidence in others um, mm. and truly seeing other people as my comrades. I think if we can, and this is where it comes to, this is where we bring in the polarizing figures um, that you can afford to be polarizing if you can if you can see this greater good that people are your comrades, then you can do mm. things which will potentially incur their dislike, their anger for this mm. greater good because you're acting in in a in a greater self-interest for yourself and for others.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I and I think that the, the the conversation about kind of the dragon of the stranger is an endless one. Like so 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 here's here's, here's just here's just one thing that, that I would say. I think because um, so th- 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 this is because telecommunications, right, has allowed us to be in touch at any moment. It has removed the need to trust other people, right? So, like back in the day, you know, if you are like some guy and you have like some kids and you like need to go to the like next village over to like I don't know, go to some sort of tribal meeting of the elders or something, um, or like buy a goat. Um, know and you like can't can't like afford to take your kid like i don't like for for, like whatever reason you like are forced to trust the people around you to to take care of your kid you 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 have to um today you can keep your kid on a leash right you you can you can you can call your kid anytime you can you can ask them to 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 call you at any time um and, and so that kind of or you know another example right back in like the day if you wanted directions on the street you'd have to ask a person right um or even you know something like the the ubiquity of like cheap plastic lighters like one thing that i found as a smoker one of the kind of easiest ways to to kind of connect with a strangers is to ask someone for a light like no one will ever refuse you a light right um but even kind of that, like, it's so easy to, to, to kind of like maybe back in like the, the, the 40s when lighters were like made out of metal and and like were tough and expensive. Um, if you didn't have a lighter, you, you'd have to ask a stranger for a light. And, and now you're, you're free to just, just pay 50p. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that a lot of these changes have allowed us to not need to trust strangers. And because we've been allowed to trust, not we, we've now gained the ability to not trust strangers and because trusting strangers is tough most of us most of the time uh including certainly myself I think do just go for the option that doesn't require trusting strangers but I actually think that this is incredibly sad and bad um Mm, yeah yeah
0: and um Just this this lack of a this lack of a physical a community embedded in physical space. We have mm. now this virtual community, um, but we lack this this, this physical space potentially um, where people can go and meet and congregate and meet new people, meet new strangers.
1: Yeah, I mean, people. You know, I find it really sad that like like I, I get very upset reading about um, the coffee houses of 18th century Europe or or, or even the coffee houses of, of, of um, the 10th 11th 12th century Islamic world um, now obviously you know, maybe I'm getting a romanticized portrait of these places but the way these places are described is that basically all these all these people would go there they would like drink coffee and then they would like discuss politics and like probably like you know plot the overthrow of the of the current current caliph or something um, and, you know, that sounds really fun. Like, I'd love to go to a place where I could just uh, soberly, you know, uh, congregate with, like, random people and, like, plot the overthrow of the government. But um, I, I don't, you know, people don't like being approached at coffee shops. It's strange to approach someone at a coffee shop. And I'm, I'm certainly a part of this. If, if someone just approached me at a coffee shop, like, said hi and, and, and wanted to sit down next to me, I would be taken aback. Not because I wouldn't want them to, necessarily. I might very well. But because it feels like such a violation of the typical kind of rules of social conduct that we live under, mm. that makes me very sad that, that that like our modern cafes are not spaces to to kind of meet random people. Like it's actually to meet random people sober, um, it's tough, you know. Like I think we as students are quite lucky, right? We do have these these kinds of mechanisms of like societies and things, that that do smooth things out a bit. But it's like, wouldn't it be nice to like go to the coffee house, and like chit chat away with like random people um who are probably going to have some like very crazy opinions
0: yeah and i think that again technology is something that re- it really hinders this because especially i now see um airpods everywhere and mm. so um so which 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 makes approaching strangers so much more difficult nigh impossible because they're they're now in a different world um mm. so approach that stranger is to literally unplug them from the system that they're in. So, it's, mm. so we're, incre- I think increasingly these areas like commuting where previously or cafes, uh, where previously mm, yeah. we would have these areas where people can congregate and strangers can meet and share technology is making them increasingly isolated and just putting up yeah. barriers to this, to this sharing this community
1: um and and uh, you know and a lack of trust as well a lack of trust that others that strangers are good that's that's like i find the concept of like teaching kids like the idea of stranger danger i genuine like this makes me so angry i find it abhorrent like i find it disgusting to like tell your kid like oh uh, you know strangers are um are dangerous you shouldn't take things from them you shouldn't listen listen okay listen pet pet, pet like like a classic example, right? And then we got shown this at school. Like, don't take sweets from strangers because there could be drugs in them. No one is giving drugs away for free to your children. This has never happened. Drugs are very expensive, okay? They're they're kind of, they're quite hard to get. And like, no one is like randomly like slipping MDMA into like Halloween candies, okay? Like, it's, I, I find it so abhorrent to, to instill in your child a fear of, of the world a fear of the other a fear of people who they could potentially have such wonderful connections with um i think it's absolutely awful like just just disgusting
0: and what comes to mind is the uh as, as a as a specifically middle-class dragon that emerged it was the madeline mccann case because i feel mm. like that had a massive it had a massive impact on my psyche of making me fear of the other of being this fear of being kidnapped and i think there is this, this looming kind of monster um, in our consciousness that represents this stranger danger, other kidnapper.
1: You know, and you know, one thing that I find really quite sad is, so so I live, you know, in Selly Oak, it's a very, very diverse area of Birmingham. It's... It's essentially it's 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 partly students and and then the other part, it's by and large, it's a lot of uh, South Asian people, um, and it's a lot of Arab people, um, and some black people, and and, and, and but it's a very, very, very sort of multicultural area. And so many people I know, uh, particularly middle class white people, um, describe this area as very rough or very tough. Um, and I very often hear I think, uh, undercurrents of prejudice in, in the way people, desc- when people describe it as, as the rough or the tough, like it makes me very sad to, to kind of think that some sort of, uh, some Muslim family just living here would, would be considered like the rough or like the tough of, the, of this town, like, come on bro. Um, um, and then, but I also, um, or, or rather I do then understand also that that prejudice does come from a fear that's that this person that that these people who are prejudicial have have, haven't chosen to have that fear it's been it's been pushed onto them by various external forces um and you know you could say and i would agree that that people have some some responsibility to confront it but it's very complicated is what i'm saying and very sad
0: Mm. and similarly similar experience was in um, brazil in rio we stayed in a favela uh, And we actually met some kind of white middle-class young Brazilians um, Mm. who we, we, when we were told them that we were staying in the favela, they didn't believe us. They were like, no, Mm. you're not. That's a lie. No one, no one goes into the favela. Um, Mm. But what we found in the favela was, uh, was, was so much kind of community and actually Mm. inversely so much more safety because I, I, I was mugged. And lost my phone, and my friend also lost his phone. Both outside of the favela. That actually, inversely, the favela with its community was a much mm. safer environment than than the outside.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and I think it often is thus. Like often things that you know, oftentimes things are not as they appear. Sometimes things that seem scary are very unscary, and sometimes things that seem very unscary are actually or or, or were told to feel safe around are actually can be quite you know malignant in one way or another
0: and i love this quote from Raina maria rilke which i mentioned last week that perhaps all the dragons of our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us once beautiful and brave perhaps everything terrible is in its deepest being something helpless that wants help from us so yeah
1: oftentimes a, it is thus
0: as a as a, f- a final thoughts um mm-hmm. what what can we do about this <laughs>
1: Like, okay, so listen, 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 Jack, here's the truth, right? You know, you can see, because you're on a video, I mean, you guys are on a podcast, so you can't see this. But Jack can see, right behind me, there is a big old Jeremy Corbyn poster. I have a, me personally, um, I have a political understanding of these issues. Um, I, um, and I don't, you know, I, I I like to call myself a sort of loosely a communist Um and you will notice that the word communist begins with community. And this doesn't mean, okay, that, 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 that I think that Stalin did nothing wrong. Um, but what I am, what, what, what I, I don't think anything short of a total revolution in both our political structures and our consciousness um, will, will do. And the way I see that revolution, and so, 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 and I, so I think that, that that opinion about the kind of that a revolution is needed. I kind of see that as almost um, it's not an apolitical opinion but it's a less biased opinion and now here we get to my personal biases Um, and my personal biases are uh, and, and my kind of personal ideology is that I think we need to build a society that is less hierarchical where more people have say in how the society is run where it feels like everyone's opinion in what like how their local community is run matters right because you know, yeah, we vote once every four years. And, you know, maybe if you really care, you vote like once every two years because you vote in your local elections too. But like how much how, how, much of an impact do you feel from that individual vote? Because I think it's, it's very little. And I think that is one thing that disconnects us from the way we could would run our societies. And in the workplace, we, again, it's very hierarchical. We, um, we kind of, we, we have these jobs where we're kind of told what to do. And again, we don't really necessarily kind of have a say in kind of how our job is run and how we do our own work in in, in, in in how we make what we make. And so it makes sense that a lot of people become alienated and become disenfranchised and become upset um, and disconnected from like, let's say their workplace community when it's all it is, is just a, a process that they perform without having any input in, right? Um, and, and so what, what, what I see as, as, as the solution in this very kind of typically typically Marxist fashion, and I acknowledge that this is, this is totally my own ideological bias, um, is, is, is a world that does away uh, as much as can be done, whether slowly um, or in a sudden flash, I would be inclined to the sudden flash, with these hierarchies and that allows people input into how they do their jobs, into how their local community is run, into whether the new the, the new bridge is going to be put, okay? In, into what, what things are stocked on supermarket shelves, or, or maybe you know, they wouldn't be supermarkets, they'd be something else, right? Into what kind of films are made um, and allows people input in, on that in such a way that's beyond this kind of abstract, just a vote or just voting with your wallet, but allows people input into these things in a meaningful way where people meet, where people discuss, where people build consensuses, and where people feel like they're a part of the political system that governs um, the, the, the world around them as opposed to just being kind of under the political system.
0: Thank you. Yes. And um it's it's a revolution i get i suppose on a micro scale and a macro scale at the same time and um this is where i'd like to end with a quote um by a woman called kathleen damiani who says the doors to the wrath and flames of the dragon are many maybe the door Mm. for each person is their shadow the dark side of the persona where the hero their own dormant libido lies sleeping. To enter the door and confront the dragon is to be burned. Yet the secret of Mercurius is that he is both the fire and the one consumed by the fire, and the jewel that remains. Each of us has a hero within that seeks the flames of the battle with the dragon, For the hero is simply the same energy going in another direction, going home. To remain conscious and embrace the flames means the death of evil. The bravery of the conscious standpoint entering and owning the flames is the hero. The hero must die. He always dies. He enters the belly of the whale like the sun, devoured by the night, whose symbol is the serpent. The mystery of rebirth is the death of the heroic consciousness that embraces its own annihilation in the dragon of the unconscious. But just as the sun arises again in the east, so too there is no final death, but a rebirth into the self. This is the greater life, the life. Of understanding.
1: Nice, dude. I agree. Thank
0: you so much for coming on, Lucene. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been, it's,
1: yeah, absolute pleasure for me, also.
0: Great. Thank you. And I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.